0: Hello and welcome to Strange Sound. This is Joe. Um, Back here again, another Saturday, just having ourselves a nice little afternoon. Thought I'd check in with everybody here. How is everybody anyway? Is everyone doing okay? Everyone getting their shots? Have you gotten your second shot yet? Have you gotten your first shot yet? Did you get the J&J shot so you only needed one? Did you get the Pfizer shot so that you need two? I, I don't know. What did you do? What are you doing about this thing? Get your shot, man. Shots are free, man. Come on, Jack, as President Biden would say. Come on, Jack. (laughs) Well, anyway, standard disclaimer. The views expressed on Strange Sound are my own. They represent... Neither the views of my neighbors or friends or employer nor anyone else I'm associated with. They are only my own views. I am Joe. They are Joe's views. No one else's views. On strange sound. That's why it's so damn strange. And I'm just trying to encourage people to think about some select issues here and there. Um, Maybe you'd agree or disagree with me, uh, one way or the other, be happy if you'd let me know, be happy to get a little bit of pushback. You know where to find me. I will give you the contact information at the end of the show. But for now, let us proceed. As has become my habit, I'm going to read my blog post, my furious rant, if you will, for this week. This one was posted on March 26th, a Friday, and it is available on big-green.net. If you go follow the blog link and click on Political Rants, you will find the uh, latest posting, which under that category is named Imaginary Lines, March 6th, 2021, and it goes something like this. Our press tends to frame subjects in the most superficial ways. I don't think I'm telling you anything you don't already know, but sometimes it's so blatant that it hits you in the face. The, quote, crisis on the border, unquote, coverage is frankly kind of shocking, a bit like the talk during the Trump years of caravans heading north from the Northern Triangle countries we spent decades rendering ungovernable. Practically every outlet has used the term crisis in their headlines, I understand the incentive structure here. If it bleeds, it leads. But what they're referring to is literally more of the same phenomenon we've been seeing on the U.S. border for years. It certainly isn't way out of line from recent months. Stats compiled on factcheck.org from CBP numbers show that crossings are not nearly as high as they were in May of 2019, and more or less even with March, April, and June of that year, was their hair on fire back then? This is probably a good week to point out that this crisis keeps happening because we don't take any meaningful steps to address it, just as might be said of mass shootings in America. It's the classic definition of insanity, right? Granted, the influx of people from Central America is not down to one simple cause— But this thing that the right professes to hate, like fire, is largely a product of the toxic policies they and many of their liberal adversaries have been pursuing since the Second World War and longer. Why are people leaving Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, and other Central American countries in such large numbers? Because they are failed states, in essence, thanks in no small measure to the so-called anti-communist crusades we undertook in the region from the first decades of the last century. Between bad governance, corruption, and dominance by criminal cartels funded through drug sales to the United States, the Northern Triangle nations are virtually unlivable for most of their battered citizens. That's the return on our investment in fascistic governments. Then there's the border itself. It's an imaginary line bristling with armed officers. The fact that it's highly militarized and that it's very difficult to make the crossing means that when people come here, they tend to want to stay. I'm not someone who thinks that immigration is an intrinsically bad thing, but there was a time when people could cross the border without a lot of trouble, stay for a while, work, send money home, then return to their families. Now if they manage to survive the crossing, they stay put and send for their families. The very efforts designed to keep people out is, in essence, keeping them in. Frankly, it's fortunate for us that people want to come here and work. These, quote, illegal immigrants, unquote, include many, many essential workers. Think about that for a moment. Both illegal and essential. They get food to our tables. They take care of our grandparents. They do the job most Americans shun. Why the fuck do we put a target on their backs? As I said previously, these are not simple issues that can be solved easily. We need to get our heads around what's causing this misery year after year and try to work towards solutions that are radical and that they would necessarily dismantle the systems of oppression and exclusion that we have built over the course of our history. Or we could find something easy to do and just keep complaining about it up to us. Love you, Joe. That's my furious rant for today. Once again, entitled Imaginary Lines. Go check it out, big-green.net. Anyway, you just heard it, so I don't know why you'd want to read it, but if you want to read it, go ahead. Want to share it? Go ahead. Want to share this? Go ahead. What have I got to add to this? Well, and now this. Not a super lot. A couple of things. It seems like the press is falling into their, the uh, sort of mainstream corporate press that shows up at press briefings is falling into their old pattern of um, basically taking their lead from what right wing media and, uh, you know. Concentrating on those topics that they are putting forward, so you know whatever Fox News or um, I don't know what takes the lead now on the right is it Newsmax is it whatever you know they push a narrative forward and and next thing you know CNN and and the Times and. Whoever else shows up at these press briefings, start asking questions about it. That's why you had a dozen questions about immigration and zero questions about COVID at the president's first press briefing. Now, I don't want to let them off the hook. There are plenty of things, though, that you could ask about COVID that wouldn't just be softball questions for for Biden, right? You could ask some hard questions. There are plenty of things you could ask about. You could talk about Yemen. You could talk about the, uh, you know, what's the difference between full-throated support for regimes like the Egyptian regime, still supporting the Saudis in a lot of ways, but and and yet sanctioning Venezuela, uh, not removing sanctions from Iran or from Cuba or from Russia necessarily, Not a big fan of Putin myself, but (laughs) seriously, I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to slap sanctions on somebody, don't you think it would be, I mean, what is our standard, right? I don't want to get too far into this, but seriously, there are questions that could be asked about these issues and they're not asking them. No, instead they're asking about immigration, but you know, we know what the story is with this, don't we? It's the same story it's been for decades. This is nothing new. When NAFTA passed in the early '90s and was signed by Bill Clinton, it was passed during the George H.W. Bush administration, and passed um, passed up to for Clinton's signature um, in what '93, I believe, and either '93 or '94 was when it was being implemented, and they knew at the time that this would cause an increase in border crossings because people would be driven out of work in rural Mexico, for one thing, because small farmers in Mexico would have to compete with Cargill. (laughs) And it's awfully hard for a small farmer in Mexico to compete with Cargill, a huge conglomerate that gets all kinds of advantages from the U.S. government. Um... And is just a behemoth <laughs> and can produce corn for, you know, pennies a bushel, you know, so it's like holy shit. We just made agriculture an impossible way to make a living in in Mexico, unless you're growing, you know, products for the illicit drug market. And then that's a whole other ball game, right? But, I mean, we're essentially, we essentially made being a farmer in Mexico impossible. (laughs) Unless you're growing pot or, you know, poppies or something that can be used in the drug trade. Well, that doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? But also, um, because of the massive displacement that has been caused by these so-called free trade agreements, which are really just investor rights agreements. Um, yeah, it's been sending more people north. And if you look back, I I think very helpfully uh, the the intercept or uh, I should say intercepted podcast um, did a recent episode on immigration. I think I'll probably include a link to this in the show notes for this episode. Um, so that you can give a listen if you missed it. They they did a kind of a deep dive on immigration policy over the past few decades. And if you listen back to Clinton's speeches on immigration, you realize that a lot of the militarization that we've seen in recent decades began under the Clinton administration. Uh, you can argue that some of this was being pushed by the Republicans, but if you listen to some of the speeches that Bill Clinton made at that time, it's really hard to, it's it's hard to say that the Republicans were further to the right than that in recent decades, in more recent years, let's say. So what you're hearing is very similar to what Trump was saying, only coming out of the mouth of Bill Clinton, so it was a little bit more refined, not tremendously more refined, And, of course, there were hotheads in those days, too. I remember Tom Tam Kredo running for president. I think it was in 1996, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe it was after that. I'm not sure. I'm trying to remember. But he was, there was always a standard bearer for the anti-immigration party. I mean, Pat Buchanan was, was a bit of that as well, right? There were always people that were obsessing about the border. And Bill Clinton, of course, being Bill Clinton, likes likes to sort of get out. It isn't wasn't like a huge sacrifice for him policy wise because I think his natural inclinations are in that direction. but in the sort of right wing conservative direction, but yeah, he, you know, was way to the right on this issue. And if you listen to what policies he implemented, hiring, you know, border guards by the thousand and militarizing the border and, you know, make, forcing people into, into crossings through some of the most dangerous areas of, of the borderlands, you know, through deserts instead of um, in more populated areas, which has resulted in a lot more misery and a lot more death. Yeah, uh, a lot of that policy got burned in during the Clinton years. Not something to be proud of. So for those of you out there who think that the Democratic Party has been a lot better on this issue, I suggest you follow that link, which I will include in the show notes, as I mentioned previously, um, and listen to some of those speeches that uh, Jeremy Scahill compiled uh, for that episode. It's honestly, you know, it brings back memories and not good ones. So this is a bipartisan problem. And the problem isn't so much that people are coming over the border. The problem is that we're treating people like criminals for running away from the mess that we helped make, that we played a key role in making in their home countries. I was talking about Mexico earlier, but we may as well talk about Central America as well. I mean, we invested in the destruction of Guatemala for decades starting in the 1950s and really before that but ramping it up in the 1950s when we overthrew the Arbenz regime in 1954 and we we condemned them to a dictatorship that lasted decades <laughs> and a decades long slaughter particularly of the Mayan population but you know just authoritarian massacre <laughs> of hundreds of thousands of people over the course of the decades, particularly ramped up in the 1980s. Um, and uh, you know, I think a lot of people know the history of El Salvador as well and of Honduras, from the and you know Nicaragua as well, uh, from the the Carter years forward into the Reagan years. Ramped up during the Reagan years, um, supporting oppressive regimes in El Salvador, um, basically using Honduras as a as a transit point for uh, shipping arms to the Contras in Nicaragua, and you know suppressing any kind of movements there. Um, obviously, Honduras has been skull fucked by us numerous times, including. Um, in more recent decades, 2009, during the uh, opening days of the Obama administration, when they supported the overthrow of of Manuel Zelaya and the institution of a coup regime that is now still run um, by Juan Orlando Hernandez, um, who is a notoriously corrupt leader that stole his last election. <laughs> handful of years ago um yeah so the misery continues and they've been uh, executing activists and you know through the usual extrajudicial means um paramilitaries various thugs that are basically probably members of the honduran military who take off their uniform in the evening and and go out and garret people and then show up for work the next day um, killing activists um, you can look back and and see they report on this a lot on democracy now if you if you listen to that podcast go there and uh, and you'll hear um, details about that um, if you look up Honduras uh, at democracynow.org you'll see what I'm talking about. So, I mean, just using Honduras as an example, of course, but in El Salvador and in um, Guatemala, it's the same story, right? I mean, these places are overrun by corruption, uh, by murderous thugs who are now in the drug trade, in illicit enterprises of all kinds, uh, mostly run, I'm, I'm sure, by people, I mean, I'm sure the senior leadership of these cartels are people who played ball with the Americans during the 1980s. Um, there are people, at least according to um, activists uh, who've worked in Honduras and in, forgive me, in Guatemala, um, who who have told us that, you know, the heads of some of the cartels down there are people who were CIA assets, and they are essentially immune from prosecution <laughs> Because they they know too much, right? So there isn't very much you can do about those people. Not not that the government is all that inclined in acting against their interests. I mean, again, this is what we this is what we invested in during the nineteen eighties, particularly was in preserving an oligarchic rule in these countries, and to make sure that. Um, people in the lower classes were kept in their place, that workers were kept in their place, that peasants were kept in their place, and that a small group of wealthy people ran the goddamn country. And this is what's happening now. Still, this is, this is the product of the work that we've done. And that's why people are leaving these places by the thousand. That's why they head north. They're coming here because they've got relatives here, there are jobs here, you know. It's it's not on fire like where they're coming from. They're not coming here because they think, you know, Joe Biden's a nice guy. They came here during the Trump administration in large numbers as well. And there's there was no pretense that Trump was a nice guy or welcoming in some way. They came here because they have to. Because they've got no place else to go. So what's the solution? Yeah, uh, well, there's. A lot of problems here. There's no single solution, but uh, you know, one of the thing we can one of the things we can do is stop skull fucking these countries in the Northern Triangle. Um, maybe help them make their nations more livable so that they don't have to leave. I mean, climate change does play a role in this as well. It's more difficult to make a living off the land these days as well. Um, even if the political and economic situation were, were improved in some ways. So, I mean, th- these are, you know, again, this is like fallout from bad policy, decades of bad policy, you know, that we're, we're seeing the result of. You know, it's, we're reaping all the benefits of just bad decision-making for decades. So, for Christ's sake. Ugh. That's what I'm on about this week. And that's about where I'm going to uh, stop this week because, oh God, this is really troubling stuff. But, you know, when you see this reporting on the border, just, just you know, bear in mind, this is something that's been going on for years. And, you know, they're trying to turn it into a big story It should be a big story, but it should always be a big story. And the big story should be, you know, these people are running away from a a fire that we started (laughs) and that we've fanned over the years. And if they're coming here, it's their own goddamn fault. And we should be grateful that a lot of these people are coming here because they're fucking picking our food and they're fucking taking care of grandma (laughs) and doing a bunch of other shitty jobs that nobody wants. So for those of you who don't like the fact that immigrants are coming up from Northern Triangle countries and from Mexico, um, think about that for a minute. Do you like having fruit on the table? Do you like having vegetables? Seriously, essential and illegal. Jesus. Anyway, that's all I got. I'd like to hear what you think. You can leave a one-minute voice message when you go to anchor.fm slash strange sound. You'll find the means of doing so. You can also uh, reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at strange sound pod, at strange sound pod. And if you also, there are also ways to get in touch with me when you go to big-green.net and click on the contact link. There are ways to get in touch with me. Um, Please, get in touch with me. Reach out in some way. Either tweet at me or send me a personal message or, you know, whatever you want to do. Leave a voice message. Be glad to hear from you. Be glad to respond to any questions or comments. I would be glad to play your comments on the air, so to speak. Uh, With the caveat that I don't want to put anything particularly incendiary up there (laughs) so you know just you know within reason turn it into a conversation glad to hear from you uh reach out hope you have a good week take care of yourselves we'll see you next time